Hey everyone, welcome to episode 119 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina, with a special focus on the SCG Tour, which, thank God, the SCG Tour has adopted Pioneer. Yeah, invitational. <laughs> Our last episode was, uh, you know, we were I was lamenting uh, mm-hmm. quite a bit about how I was sad that we were talking a lot about Pioneer, it was really awesome, but I had no reason to play it. Yeah. Until <laughs> until now we just the, the day after we recorded and before the podcast went up, they announced that uh yeah, no more standard at the invitational. Nope. Thankfully. Uh and now we standard get to play is, Pioneer. We said standard was rough last time. It has not improved yep. in the meantime. Nope. It's like one and a half decks right now, it feels like. <laughs> Every major standard tournament, like the last six major standard tournaments, if you just go on Goldfish or whatever and see, every single winning deck mm-hmm. was a Nissa, Oko, Wicked Wolf, Once Upon a Time, like just a bunch of all of those. Yep. Like there's all just those cards nothing are green. <laughs> yep. All those cards are green. <laughs> you might, you know, good. you might play like some white cards or some some black cards as well, but you're going to be playing green, blue, and something. Mostly those cards. Yeah. yeah. So we don't have to play standard anymore. Yes. That's very exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, so we've been doing a bunch of work on Pioneer. We also got a second gigantic announcement yesterday in our pioneer saga yeah well so so here's how it goes pioneer gets announced as a format yeah we really want to talk about it oh yeah we don't have any reason to right pioneer gets adopted as part of the invitation now we can talk about it and now we can test it right so we dive really really deep in everybody's playing i have not seen anybody playing modern oh no this house for the past several days only pioneer and then (laughs) wizard's announcement you love pioneer But we're going to keep banning shit out of it. <laughs> yeah. So don't love it too much. Right. Don't get too attached. We're going to ban things. Yep. It was like an announcement, which is hilarious. Yeah. Really, really amazing. But yeah, so then they did ban some stuff yesterday, Monday, yep. for, for those who are not in our live audience. They banned uh, Oath of Nyssa, Felidar Guardian, and uh, what is awesome? Why am I blanking on what the last thing is? Leyline. Oh, Leyline, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, the actual broken card. Yeah, the actual busted yeah. card that was really causing some problems. <laughs> I don't know, like, what happened. Like, the... it's, it's not often that a deck gets to play eight free spells, or free cards. Right. You get to play four uh, Once Upon a Time, just a really great consistency enabler, and then four Leyline of Abundance, Yeah, which is just free mana. And all of those cards, while also being free in your opening hand... In that deck, were perfectly reasonable to cast. Yeah. Like, you had this bare mana to once upon a time for your threat once you had ramped a little bit. Right. And, like, casting Leyline was totally fine most of the time. Yeah. Sometimes it just fit, like, in your curve, like, for free. Yeah, you just, just cast it and then activate Nykthos. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, like tap one mana guy so that you get an extra mana off of, and then yeah. Nykthos taps for two extra mana, and this thing costs you, like, one mana on your turn or whatever. Yeah. Pretty wild. Yep. So, yeah, I'm pretty glad that that deck is gone it was and and i know that we had lots of like discussion in the house and like disagreement about what was the best deck or what was really doing it but i i definitely like you, you know i came to you multiple times like this oh deck yeah it's completely busted you did yeah the, yeah you came down and you're like i think it's just wrong to play anything else yeah. and i was like yeah but phoenix <laughs> or whatever i was playing at the time <laughs> right <laughs> but we were getting to the point where just like it had adjusted, like, Todd's list, at least his main deck, was getting really close to 
probably what the deck should be. It had so many answers to Thing in the Ice and just whatever yeah. problematic permanent. Right. I'm, I'm good with that deck being being pretty gone. The stats that they gave for it were over 60% win rate just overall, no matter mm-hmm. who was piloting it. 40 five o's when the average is about four five o's in a week for any particular deck yeah copycat as a like overall archetype had about 17 and right. that deck also got banned so pretty wild but yeah we will spend the entire episode talking about pioneer why don't we kick things off with the keeper mole yeah so this is from a prowess deck so i should talk a little bit about this prowess deck before we get into the keeper mole again um this prowess deck is kind of like an evolution of phoenix mm-hmm we were playing a lot with Phoenix. We were kind of unhappy with some of the cards. We didn't really like Thing in the Ice. It's just not the same as it was in Modern. You um, can never flip it early. One, like, you can never yeah. flip it in one turn, almost. Yeah, yeah. It, it's so hard to cast the fourth spell. Right. Yeah, it, it took several turns to flip, so it was just like an 0-4 that you had to invest in early. It just a, a bit of a clunker. Yeah. So we were trying to figure out, like, ways of tuning this deck. But we, we loved Treasure Cruise. Treasure Cruise was just... Clearly such a, a, a broken deck. Um, we just wanted a little more proactivity. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we opted to take out the Phoenixes and the Thing in the Ice, which is kind of maybe even like a holdover from modern. People just like were like, oh, you know, half the play Thing in the Ice. Right. But we ended up putting in uh, eight prowess creatures, some young pyromancers, just really trying to make the deck like low to the ground, casting ops and crash throughs as cheap cantrips. Mm-hmm. And you still get to play things like you know, the Lightning Axe and the Fiery Temper we wanted to keep. We thought that engine was really good. Royal Scions was just our other discard outlet for yep. Fiery Temper. Yeah. And Royal Scions, we were really impressed. I've been with. really impressed with the Royal yeah. Scions, too. That card is just a good magic card, honestly. Yeah. No, it really is. And I think that we should have learned our lesson in, in Atlanta when that card beat up on all of us, just <laughs> kind of single-handedly. <laughs> that card is just really great whenever you have just, like, incidental creatures. If you can have a plus on, like, a prowess creature, right. it's, it's really tough for your opponent. Yeah, no, and, and I mean, that's the thing is, like, it's in the wrong colors for its that the second plus one mm-hmm. for the the non-looting plus one but yeah. if you can make it the right colors like that yeah. ability is actually very very strong it, no it really is yeah your first strike and trample yeah it just become like i i had my opponent like chump block with a kalitas at one point just like, my, just like right no life gain <laughs> off of the, the yeah, life yeah. link like you're probably dealing one or two through the right. four toughness and yeah. it's just yeah pretty crazy so this hand it comes from this deck this hand is one land in a sulfur falls mm-hmm. so kind of awkward coming to play tapped one cantrip in crash through, so kind of far worse cantrip. Yeah. And then uh, really top heavy. So we've got a Royal Scions, two Treasure Crews, a Young Pyromancer, and a Fiery Temper. Yeah, I hate this hand. Yeah. I was on the draw, so and I like thought about it, right? Because you have your, you have like one land and a cantrip, and like I'm thinking back to like the Phoenix days or whatever. Like maybe you know we can cantrip into it, but we're this deck is just not about like trying to like go along and and cast spells late or whatever this deck is about like getting early prowess creatures down beating down your opponent you really need to get your like early advantage yeah there's no catching back up with thing in the ice there's no uh right you can phoenix draws like late you can in the game. potentially draw a lot of cards with this hand mm-hmm. but like the cards you're drawing are like then defensive monastery swift spears or right. whatever yeah you know, the reason I chose this hand was because it like it felt a little tempting, like we're close and mm-hmm. like it, because we're playing a cantrip deck, I could see some people like tricking themselves into like keeping it and hoping to get there. But getting there with this hand is just not doing what your deck wants to be doing. Yeah. yeah. Which is playing a one drop on turn one. Yes. Very important. Yeah. Play nine prowess creatures. We play one of the... Um, 
Blister Coil Weird only has like honorable mention prowess. When you cast a Royal Science and it doesn't pump it, that's yeah, yeah, that happened to me today. It's a bad (laughs) moment. It wasn't great. But yeah, just having the one drop is so crucial yeah. this, with this deck. Right. So Right. It's adding that ability to your spells, which is pump a creature. Like mm-hmm. casting crash throughs when you don't have a creature in play, like mostly just feels really bad. Yeah. So it, yeah, it really does. Um, how has Young Pyromancer been overall in the format? It was good for me. Okay. Uh it wasn't phenomenal by any means. But it it just, you know, in the grindy matchups, it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you ever draw multiples, it's just really, really strong. Sure. You get to flood the board really, really well. Um, I think it's the best two-mana creature you can play in this deck. Okay. I liked it better than Thing in the Ice. And you liked it better um, than Dreadhorde Arcanist? And Zan liked it better than Dreadhorde Arcanist. I okay. didn't have an experience with Dreadhorde Arcanist in this sure. deck. Sure, sure. But yeah, Zan said that he thought that Dreadhorde was really bad. Yeah, he's really down on that card. I'm not... I, I, I need to try it for myself because mm-hmm. I'm just mostly like visualizing spots where I think the card is going to be good and has been good against me. Okay. Um, but I, I need to actually play with it. I'm sure he's right because he has tried it and, and yeah. he I know he wanted it to be good. Too, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. But I, I'd like to know exactly why it's not like panning out that way. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, your variety of spells you can flashback is certainly reduced compared to like legacy or whatever. So. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the fundamental problem is that we like we're used to it flashing back like lightning bolt and yeah. and fatal push and thought seize and stuff mm-hmm. good cards and you know while we do have like fatal push and thought seize and that's that might be like the best application for it right now the cards that like and the shells that we're putting it in are there it's flashing back like opt as like best case scenario yeah and maybe a wild slash and know? that's not really <laughs> doing just, it yeah it's just it's just not quite there and and i do think that its power level is best unlocked in like a fatal push and thought seize yeah deck. yeah those the the black one drops are where you want to be in terms of like raw power for one drops but the, we're still not in a place where like i want to be building a reactive deck like that like, yeah I still exactly don't know how to do it the black decks right now are just falling a little behind yeah which is interesting I, I I think part of that is probably because the meta is still undefined. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, you can build your deck and you can be like, yes, I, I know what my plan is against Phoenix and I feel favored. And I know what my plan is against, I mean, like what do you would even, you know, the the two other decks that I would name in this list of decks that I want to be good against just got banned out of the format. But, yeah. you know, so so I mean, like, I don't even know exactly what decks to build my deck to beat. And then even if I do pick some of those decks, there's a lot of random nonsense that like... I'm great against these decks, and then I just play against Xan running eight Lenoir Elves, eight <laughs> Goblin Rabble Masters. Oh, yeah. Just now the, we're talking. The actual first Pioneer deck that we brainstormed. <laughs> it was, yeah. Upon yeah. announcement of this format. Right. Back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, two weeks ago. <laughs> it feels like forever ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a little had a little goldfish with Evan on um, mm-hmm. on whatever that client whatever is. Whatever his, his app is for goldfishing with. But uh, yeah. Cockatrice. On Cockatrice, okay. There yeah. we go. Yeah. But yeah, and then it turns out that it like totally holds up. It only took one ban announcement yeah. to get there, but we I think that we got there. Yeah. So yeah, ban announcement. Let's talk about this a little bit. Okay. Um, so the format got announced for the Envy, mm-hmm. which is rough for anyone who is prepping for both the Invitational and for MC yeah. Richmond yeah. this weekend. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, just like four formats between two tournaments because <laughs> yeah. Richmond is draft this weekend, and standard. Draft and standard. Next weekend, Modern Pioneer. Brutal. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't really affect us very much, but mm. 
I guess. I'm personally thrilled. <laughs> I have no other events to prepare for. I'm yep. playing one standard IQ this weekend, and I'm just play whatever. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I just get to go hard on Pioneer, like, for, for all of two weeks. Um, and, I mean, that, that's what's been happening in this house. Absolutely. Everybody's super excited to play Pioneer mm-hmm. and has been. So the bands, Mono Green was, I strongly believe, the best deck, mm-hmm. best performing deck, just able to do we should probably narrate the experience of playing with and against mono green a little bit for anybody who hasn't gotten to play a bunch of pioneer yet and who won't get the opportunity to play with this deck in its ley line form yeah like it's close to a modern deck yeah and the consistency very consistently either turn two or turn three nissa yeah and turn two happened a lot yeah uh my first experience witnessing this deck was i was watching evan play mm -hmm. against todd on in the PTQ. In the PTQ. And I'm like, all right, we look like we're in a really good spot. We have like a turn four kill or whatever. Mm-hmm. It should be fine. And then Todd just like turn two, casts a, a Nyssa. Uh, like after, I think we like killed, no, we must not have killed the, the one drop, but it was ridiculous. Yeah. It, it's just messed up. Like I didn't think that Burning Tree Emissary was supposed to be in the deck like mm-hmm. in the first iterations, when I first saw it, I was like, that's got to be like costing you consistency and stuff, right? But it's no. really just giving you this powerful alternative plan yeah. that turns your Nykthos into just this incredible engine. And you're yeah. really good at having Nykthos when you had a Once Upon a Time and Oath of Nyssa in your deck. Not only did they have these incredibly explosive, like most of their turn threes were not just Nyssa. Mm-hmm. It was Nyssa and a Ballista that is at a scary <laughs> number. <laughs> right. Because right. you're untapping a Nykthos with your Nyssa. Yeah. Pretty wild. That's now tapping for two more because you just cast a N- or three more because you just cast a Nissa and made it a creature. And uh, if you had a ley line in play, like it's it's just like the things it was able to do. And the really obnoxious thing was like I had several games where I was playing Phoenix or something. I would kill all of my opponent's mana creatures, mm-hmm. and they just still would ramp out to turn four Nissa plus something yeah. because they'd find that Nick those I couldn't kill their enchantments. They'd have devotion. They'd put a burning tree emissary or two into play and just like, there it is. Mm-hmm. And so not only did they have like unreal early starts, but it felt like you needed to close the game against them or else they would find Nick those. They'd ramp an enormous amount and then you just die to their stuff. Gla- That's pretty wild. Glad that it is powered down to the point of like, mm-hmm. I'm not re- I'm not considering playing the deck anymore. Yeah. People are playing it. I saw a couple of people playing it on stream. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like a reasonable deck now. Yeah. It's like by no means overpowered. Le- so Leyline was just a poor card design. Yeah. Honestly. I agree. It, when it, yeah. When a card ends up getting banned in the only format where it's playable, it's yeah. like, it's, <laughs> it's I, a bad time. This was, that, this was obvious. Like it's either unplayable or mm-hmm. it's doing something really, really busted. Yeah. And there, there you go. All yep. it takes is Nykthos and Elves. Good old Nykthos. Wow. Nykthos is crazy. <laughs> Um, so Todd played that deck, lost to Wilderness Reclamation mm-hmm. in the finals of that PTQ. Beat Evan in the top eight of the PTQ. Evan was on Kethis combo. Yeah. Um, so a lot of very like combo-y or super linear, super fast decks in that top eight. Mm-hmm. That's definitely a hallmark of the format, yep. at least right now, is right. There's, there's powerful linear decks. Or at least that's what it was before the band. That's what it was before the band, right. right. Yeah, we we narrowed down. We had a, a list of six decks before the bands that mm-hmm. we were really talking about, and we made our uh, like metagame breakdown for these six decks. And those decks were uh, Nexus of Fate, Mono Red, 
Mono Green, Phoenix, Cat, and Kethis. Yep. Um, and we were pretty sure that those were like solidly the six top decks. Three of those decks got banned. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they banned Cat, they banned Mono Green, and they banned Oath of Nyssa, which was a part of the Kethis deck. Mm-hmm. It's it's a little bit early to say whether or not Kethis is dead. Evan um, was bummed. Evan was very disappointed. He was like... Because yeah. we we were talking about the whole week where we were like, all right, we're going to be playing a bunch of these broken decks, but we'll always have Kethis in our back pocket right. as like a potential broken strategy that we can we can come back to because they're never going to ban anything out of yep. that deck. Yep. Oops. <laughs> they banned Oath of Nyssa. They banned Oath of Nyssa. Yeah. Um, and Oath of Nyssa was a very powerful enabler. Though. It was. It was probably the best card in the deck. Like a, a legend, a cantrip that mm-hmm. also just happens to have the legendary type on right. it. Yeah. It's pretty Insane. unreal. Yeah. Um, it's a historic trigger for your excavators. You can cast it from your graveyard with Kethis. Yep. Yep. Or you can exile it with Kethis to cast whatever you're looping, if it's Moxes and Emery's or, or, or whatever. Uh, I mean, everybody was doing this, but you bounce it with Teferi for an extra cast of it. Just an incredibly, like, easily the best cantrip in the format. Yeah. And in that deck in particular, like, mm-hmm. it was using every single piece of the buffalo. Yeah. It really was. So, so yeah, so that, that, Kathis took a hit from that. Mm-hmm. I think that we're going to continue to work on that deck and see if it's, like, really dead, because it wasn't hugely necessary, and we can still play Traverse, which is really good. Yeah. But the jury's out on that one. Sure. Um, we'll see. There definitely was a level of consistency to decks that were running Once Upon a Time plus Oath of Nyssa. Mm-hmm. That's just... If you have one of those probably fine it's going to make some of your hands better but when you have one of those every single game yeah. so you like you never miss an early land drop you never i mean not that we want players to be missing early land drops but it's just like other people have to deal with that the decks that get to run all of these just like smooth over all of these weaknesses that that other decks have and like holes in their curve missing land drops that sort of thing mm-hmm. and they're also great live top decks late in the game yeah and that's really big is that like I've been in some spots where I'm just like, all right, I hope I draw a cantrip, yeah. <laughs> you know, in my green in deck. my mono green deck. <laughs> the, yeah. the mono green deck had the best cantrips in the format, like incredible ramp and the best removal early turns. The best removal really good removal spells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Between Voracious Hydra, Walking Willista, and Vivian Arcbow Ranger, you were just running like tw- 10 removal spells or more, depending on your composition, that could just kill basically anything once you had ramped. Yeah. So... Well, we get to say goodbye to all that. Yeah, goodbye to all that. Goodbye mm. to cat combo as well. Yeah, goodbye cat combo. Kind of just thankfully. I mean, yeah, you know, nobody was... nobody wants that. <laughs> that one was one of the more guaranteed yeah. early bans, yeah. I think. I agree. Overall, the most most consistently successful deck. Uh, I think the, the green deck was overtaking it once it had gotten developed a little bit. But mm-hmm. just over time, like the, the cat decks were, you know, the majority of the top 32 in the challenges and just like having very consistent success and required everybody to be playing specific answers that worked against the cat combo. Yeah. And a lot of them just didn't if there was a Teferi. Right. So good riddance. Yeah, it's fine to have that gone. You know, but now after the bans, the format seems to be settling down in a pretty good spot. Okay. Um, the best decks that we've seen so far seem like very reasonable, like nothing over the top, nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. We still need to consider these delve spells, yeah. you know, because the first place that we went back to were like, wow, Treasure Cruise and Dig Through Time surprise, like survived the ban. They they do um, seem to be the most broken 
individual cards that are left. At least, yeah. like, the highest raw power contained in one spell. Yeah. So, you know, we, we were kind of... I, I guess we weren't surprised, but we were, like, interested to see that they both survived. And we'll see how long that lasts. Mm-hmm. We still have another ban announcement to dodge next Monday. Yep. yep. <laughs> I'll be pretty surprised if they ban anything the week before the Invitational, but... I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. Uh, I... So I heard a rumor that Energy, that the Nerd Range Gaming Series, when they changed their tournament, mm-hmm. so they were going to have a standard 5K, but nobody was signing up for it. They had like two pre-registers like t- two weeks before the event or something like that. And so they changed it to Pioneer. I heard a rumor that Wizards contacted them and said, hey, don't ever do that again. <laughs> like, don't change formats of an event like in that situation which makes you think if like star city got any like yeah <laughs> i mean maybe put on notice as well too big i have no idea i don't know how true the rumor is or sure. like what the actual context of that dis- of that conversation really was uh-huh. but you know i i have a feeling that they're really not they're gonna be fast and loose with these early they're, bands. They're really gonna ban the things when they think they need to be banned, even yeah, yeah, if yeah. it's gonna like make some pretty awkward tournaments. Keep all our us envy competitors on our toes. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, you know, it's it's really gonna depend how this next Friday's PTQ goes. Mm-hmm. If is it Phoenix ends up with like five of the spots in the top eight because Treasure Cruise is great, yeah, and then like wilderness reclamation beats it in the top eight because phoenix can't beat wilderness reclamation then that's dig through time and treasure cruise like yeah gone right yeah i mean that'll be interesting to see because you know everybody's on phoenix i wonder i wonder if if the the masses are going to switch over to prowess but like whatever that like shell is is like the Mm go-to treasure cruise shell yeah and then nexus is the go-to like broken dig through time shell it's definitely the has the most impressive dig through times that i have seen yeah yeah i mean you dig and then the game ends yeah um i have not felt like i can win a game after they've resolved the dig through time just one dig through time yeah they're like all right they got whatever pieces they needed (laughs) If, 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 if even if it was like a fog and the first nexus sure we're done right and that's pretty crazy yep yeah so the uh this nexus deck has I've heard a lot of like interesting alternative opinions. Some people think it's crazy strong. Mm-hmm. Some people don't like it at all. Um, and I think that has to do with the fact that all of its matchups are extremely polarized. <laughs> that deck like can't lose to half the format and cannot beat like a small subset of the format, mm-hmm. like ever. Like if your opponent's playing like fast red creatures, you're you're gone. It's over. Right, especially because there's multiple ways to just counter fog and deal there two are. damage. Yeah. The go-to shock in the format, if you have enough prowess and good players are going to, like, load up on spells mm-hmm. to make their uh, wild slashes, like, fog-proof. Yep. You know, so so that's a line, is that you can just, like, play out a bunch of creatures and then load up on spells and, like, cast three spells and can't get fogged and yeah. your, your opponent's going to die. And the wild slash can be the third spell. It works so perfectly. Yeah, no, it, right, exactly. And then st- stomp. Stomp. Bone Crusher Giant. Bone Crusher Giant. Stomp just says uh, damage can't be prevented. I mean, Stomp just says, in the decks that play Bone Crusher Giant, Stomp mm-hmm. just says, like, destroy target Nexus player. <laughs> like, honestly, because the rest of those decks are just, like, beaters. Yeah. So your 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 opponent's going to be dead in two swings. They're not playing any creatures. The, all they're doing is trying to fog to survive, and you just are like, all right, Stomp you. Yeah, honestly, I'm really excited to play some of this Ravelmaster deck. 
I mean, it's it, it's developed a little from our like throw around ideas and then goldfish this on cockatrice decklist. We were just obsessed with the fact that we could play eight Llanowar elves, uh, eight Llanowar elves, eight rabble masters, and uh, four once upon a time. <laughs> that's such that's, that's such redundancy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And this deck, the pieces I think that we missed initially are uh, Smuggler's Copter. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we had in our initial build. Yeah. Although, like right after we finished goldfishing, Evan was like, "Wow, I forgot about Smuggler's Copter." <laughs> you got to well, play a card that's been banned at some point in Pioneer. And because Smuggler, right? Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Although Once Upon a Time is, I think, at like at that power level. Power sure. level. Smoking Copter is not a gold fishing card, so you don't think about it when you're just like, "What's our What's our turn four yeah. pr- rate?" And Smuggler it was like, co- yeah, ninety five percent. But <laughs> Smuggler's Copter is great for. Oh no, they have a one two out. I don't want to attack with my goblins. We'll just tap them all to crew this Smuggler's Copter until yeah. we have enough to attack with. Yeah, um, yeah. Smuggler's Copter definitely plays a lot of like important but like weird niche roles. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes the board clogs up and you need to a keep your goblins from attacking mm-hmm. and b like get in some chip damage in the air and then filter your draws a little yeah, bit draw into a Tarkus command yeah and a Tarkus command in this deck is crazy yeah. it's really strong a Tarkus command just it's is just crazy. really it's good. just really good yeah yeah, yeah. It, uh i definitely was spoiled by that card when it was in standard <laughs> yeah very powerful and especially if you're leveraging the pump ability mm-hmm. alongside the the face burn yeah, yeah like yeah. that that's just an incredible combination of effects and so plan eight rabble masters that's a lot of goblins potentially. That's, yep. that's a lot of damage for you. You get to play mana. burning trees. Mm-hmm. You, you just get to play bushwhackers. It's a you know very explosive deck. Yeah. So, and the love struck beast is an addition that de- definitely never would have thought of. But yeah, uh, the deck has a lot of one ones in it, mm-hmm. and it does a good job of shutting down things that are like trying to race you back, and just yeah. is gigantic. Right. The deck is pretty vulnerable to the card shock. Mm-hmm. So if you're playing against like, you know, mono red or like other decks that have a bunch of shocks in it. Right. Having access to just like a 5-5, five five, pretty good. Yeah. You want your elves to be able to curve into something on turn two that doesn't just get shocked for a tempo loss. Yeah. And and Lovestruck Beast gives you that ability. And, and that that's a nice like... You know, we've got three main cards to cast on turn two, and that's two ra- two different Ravel Masters and Lovestruck Beast, and they're good in, like, kind of completely opposite sort of matchups. So mm-hmm. that's kind of nice. Yeah. And you can cast... What's the Lovestruck Beast? It's, like, called... Um... Something Love... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's the Beauty and the Beast story. So you make a, a bell token. Yeah. Uh, you make a 1-1 one, one human. That works in conjunction with Bushwhacker pretty well as well. Yeah. Just, like, a you know, Easy another one-mana spell... Um, you can have on your creature incidentally. Heart's Desire. It's called Heart's Desire. Heart's, there it is. Yeah. Solid. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> I'm not thinking myself. That would be. Okay. <laughs> it took me a minute. I had to glance at chat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that deck is pretty cool and definitely. I'm pretty excited about that. Deck. Does, it, and it does really well against the linear decks that are trying to do a th- do their thing in a way that is hard for the opponent to interact with. Like uh nexus of fate yes but very good nexus of fate matchup but we should talk about nexus of fate specifically just from a, like a what is this deck doing in the format what is it beating what mm-hmm. are like what are the card choices doing and i have been like like you said it's it's such polarized matchups like i have not beaten it with phoenix and i think it's almost impossible yeah. like you have to get down like thing in the ice on turn two 
and then like have really good spell turns and then wild slash a fog and have them not just like have you dead yeah and that's really hard like mm. your deck just does not goldfish quickly enough yeah and, and that's all you're doing because most of your cards just don't matter you have like 12 removal spells that just will never have targets mm. i yeah I, I think that nexus is doing a really good job beating up on all of these like kind of slower underdeveloped decks mm-hmm. but i do feel like once everybody kind of figures out that the format is speeding up people are building faster more proactive powerful strategies once that happens i think nexus is going to fall out of favor a little bit yeah but it is fundamentally very very powerful and you know any like any mid-range strategy any slow strategy like you know counter spells and discard effects are not effective against it because of veil of summer i think lee posted on twitter or something he said everybody's sideboard is four veil of summers and like 11 blue cards that you had lying around it doesn't matter but that's like good enough good enough right because yeah. <laughs> it's pretty accurate outside of blue and black mm-hmm. is non-existent yeah what other things do you need to protect your stuff from you need to protect your stuff from discard spells and counter magic yep and like every once in a while somebody's gonna naturalize or return to nature your wilderness reclamation right that's like the literal only thing that veil of summer doesn't protect you from right so pretty wild that veil of summer just has such broad i mean i i think a big part of veil of summer having such broad application is white and red just like not really being up to the task in this format generally of interacting yeah yeah and but you know the red decks are pretty well set up against that deck generally yeah so just attack attacking is great yeah that's their interaction is um go face yeah put just put your life total under a ton of pressure and like if you don't you have to have the growth spiral to have a chance and even if you do Mm -hmm. like that that might not be good enough yeah i played (laughs) fun anecdote i played against dylan um i was playing mono red and he was on nexus Mm -hmm. and i had a curve it was just like swift spear into eidolon uh into like double into like light of the stage into double uh skewer face uh-huh. <laughs> and he, he just typed in the chat he was like bro chill i'm finn the opt it's <laughs> just like I'll kill you <laughs> i have an idol on jeez idol on is a really good card against yeah. a lot of these goofy decks like you know i, I mean not that not, goofy doesn't mean bad but mm-hmm. like nexus is certainly a goofy deck that like idol on is really good against because they yeah. they fog and they take two. Mm-hmm. They opt and they take two. They cast search for his kid and they take two. Like yeah. they can't do that very many times. No. And obviously it's like a straight hoser against something like Kethis or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's, I, I don't know what the best red aggro deck ends up being. It doesn't have Ash Salad in it. It doesn't have Ash Salad <laughs> I, in it. I probably. promise you. <laughs> <laughs> the best red deck does not have Ash Salad in it. And Keth has got banned, so now you have no excuse. <laughs> you have no excuse to put Ash Salad in your 75. No, I think that you probably did something wrong if you end up with Ash Salad in your deck. We can do better than this. The number of Ash Salads that have been cast against me is just so sad. See, the thing is, like, Ash Salad is only making your deck if you have, like, a quota of two drops that you're trying to hit in your deck construction. <laughs> sure. Or you ran out of one drops. Yeah, well, and in standard, that's why, is Mm -hmm. you only have a certain number of playable one-drops, and at some point you're playing cards that are really just one-mana one-ones without other text. And so you have to run twos because your creatures aren't allowed to be that bad. (laughs) But in Pioneer, 
you can fill those slots. You can run like as many one drops as you want. Like yeah. it's hard to fit Zergo Bell Striker into a lot of these decks, and that's just a one mana two two. Yeah, <laughs> with a, a a haste ability on it if you want it. Yeah, like there's plenty of one drops. You can just cut some two drops. You don't have to run eight or whatever. You yeah. can just not. It's our, fine. Our latest red build has one Zergo Bell Striker, which is the perfect number of a legend to have in your deck. By the way, <laughs> it'll never come up. Yeah, Great. yeah. <laughs> never legend roll it um yeah so and and so like this is one reason why i am and while the prowess decks certainly have powerful turns and have some have a lot of consistency and and redundancy and stuff the fact that you cannot play or sideboard eidolon in those decks definitely makes me a little bit like man i feel like we're giving up something here yeah by, by playing this version of the aggressive deck yeah yeah for sure yeah, the red deck, it'll definitely take a little bit of tuning, but it I feel like it builds itself for the most part. Mm-hmm. The burn spells are very good. And it's pretty hard to go wrong with what you're doing with it. I mean, you can screw up your light up the stage composition or whatever. Sure. Like, but I mean, the more one drops you have, I know there was a deck from, I believe the last deck dump that was just like, basically almost every spell in the deck could be cast for one mana. Mm-hmm. Like there were skewers and light up the stages and like, 20 something one drop creatures and then just like a lot of one drop burn spells and just barely anything like maybe some steamkins or something like that that cost more than one mana and it was like an 18 land deck just as low to the ground as you could possibly get seems good seems seems good like you're maximizing your light up the stages and yeah so something like that pretty pretty interested in although i will say that the red decks in general got a little bit worse now that you're not really exploiting anybody with your chain whirlers the way True. you were when when mono green was yeah was the top dog but and these red decks they don't have to have chain whirler on them yeah anymore. they probably shouldn't now yeah and i think that the early builds had chain whirler but just because it was so well positioned against the field everybody had like mana dorks mm-hmm. yeah just kind of mana dorks were everywhere just right. a bunch of incidental x ones but now well, and the, the two main mana dork decks got banned because yeah. cat had a, a large number of mana dorks i mean some of those were geese but they usually had five elves for geese in them. right right um and then mono green just had it you know eight elves yeah so it was all about the elves yeah although there is a new elf deck that we started testing just recently and i think i'm going to get back to testing okay um after we record yeah which is uh bant spirits oh right okay mm-hmm. yeah i saw you guys putting that together yeah um, yeah so this is a collected company spirits yeah. deck um, yeah, we figured that there was a good Bant Company deck. We weren't sure if it was like Bant good stuff like it was in Standard or if it was Bant Spirits. They've printed a lot of excellent Spirit Synergy cards recently. As long as it's got four companies and four spell quellers, mm-hmm. like I'm pretty on board with whatever the rest of the cards are. <laughs> yeah, it has four of each of those. Great. Don't, wor- don't good worry. Good start. Yeah. So yeah, so that deck, you know, we were tuning it up a little bit. It seems really strong. I played mm-hmm. one match before uh, before we came up and started recording felt really good yeah um how many how many elves we, are you running that's kind of the the probably what we need to test the most yeah is that when we initially built our version we had just six elves mm-hmm. and then uh, i contacted the current pioneer trophy leader uh Batutina. i don't know how to pronounce i don't know name. how to say it either and he uh sent me his list and he was running four geese mm-hmm uh, only and he had Okos in the main. We did not have Okos in the main. Interesting. Um, so we, I, I, I'm trying out his list, but I'm I cut the 23rd land for an additional elf, and I'm gonna keep the Okos in the main for now. It's mm-hmm. probably just 
correct to have Elko's in the main. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, you're a, you're a fundamentally pretty fair deck. Yeah. You're playing a tempo game. Mm-hmm. Oko plus Spell Queller, very yeah. good. You yeah. lock their spell forever mm-hmm. and makes a lot of sense to me. Um, also, elves are not that great at casting Spell Queller and, you know, Teferi, I don't know, or Reflector Mage or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you certainly can. All you need well, is to, a dual land on turn one. I actually think that they just get to cast those every time with our mana base. Okay. We, I don't have any basics in my deck. Sure. And all of, all 14 of my turn one green sources are duels. I'm playing four Botanical Sanctum, mm-hmm. four of each of the Shocks. Yeah. And then two Yavimaya Coast. Okay. And then that just into any other land of the other color. That lets you cast the turn to whatever three mana spell you want. Yeah. Okay. So I think that it's actually like pretty clean to okay. be able to do that. Cool. So I don't think that's that big of an issue. So if, if I do end up wanting to go back to like more mana dorks. That's doable. Yeah, it seems pretty doable. Gotcha. I can't really argue with fitting Goose and Oko into the deck. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. Obviously that is good. <laughs> For some reason, I'm just still really skeptical about Goose in this deck. Mm-hmm. Zan likes it a lot. And I might just be wrong about it being bad. But uh, I don't know. It feels like not a like not being able to go mana dork into three drop into collect company feels bad to me so definitely some things to test there i mean you can do mana dork into oko into collected company with that yeah like so that at least one of your three drops is covered there and the one that you most want to play on turn two yeah you know and typically you you, like it it does allow you to go mana dork into three drop into three drop Mm -hmm. pretty consistently too so which is nice and you have a lot of three drops yes you have a lot of three drops because all a huge amount of the power in this format is tied up in the three drops. Yeah. Like every yeah. deck that you... Every why, why do they keep deck. on printing insane three drop spells? This is the funny thing. In their ban announcement, when they're talking about Oath of Nyssa specifically, yeah. there's a paragraph about how, you know, it was just making it too consistent for these decks that have a lot of three mana planeswalkers to just play a, a planeswalker on turn three. Well, it's like, huh, we have... That, the problem might so not many. be Oath of Nyssa. They're doing tw- 12 in the cat deck. Yeah, the problem <laughs> might be that there's just all these bonkers three mana planeswalkers. Yeah. And not that Sahili was particularly bonkers, but, you know... It was bonkers in its own... Certainly. I'm Splinter Twin kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of a bummer that they banned uh, Felidar Guardian and not Sahili. Because there's uh, cute... Like, Sahili's never going to see play. Yeah. Felidar Guardian, there might be cute things. Although there might just be other degenerate things. Yeah, there might be other, like, broken things to do with Felidar. Yeah. But, uh, mm, I don't know. If there's ever a creature that, like, copies one of your creatures when it comes into play or something like that. Sure. That's it. <laughs> I mean, that's it. I guess it wouldn't give it haste, yeah. so... Well, they might be doing know. it just because it's too much of a... Like, that card adds more of a design restriction mm. for, like, moving forward than Sahili does. Yeah, I think so that's, that's probably the consideration. I, I think that's exactly it. For sure. Yeah. Um, can never print a creature for the rest of magic. We can never print a, a cheap creature that just inst- like immediately blinks something. It's got right. always got to be until end of turn. Yeah, yeah. Kind of silly. Speaking of, all right, dubious challenge. Oh boy, three and a green a sorcery. <laughs> Look at the top ten cards of your library. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. You choose two creatures. Okay. Your opponent picks up to one. <laughs> Puts it into play under their control. Yeah. You get the other one. Right. All right. So with Charming Prince or okay. Tristani. Okay. I remember there was some like wild combo in Modern, but I can't wait to hear what the Charming Prince one is. Well, so Charming Prince, just when it comes into play, blinks 
a creature that you own, right. not that you control. Okay. So say that I do this challenge yeah. and I reveal World Spine Worm and Charming Prince. Okay. What are, so what what are, are my you, options? So op- wait. So Doobie's challenge gives me one and yeah. you the other. So you pick up to one. Okay. And I and I've then just, you get the rest. I've just right. So I've just revealed World Spine Worm and Charming Prince. Okay. So what do you take? So if I take Charming Prince, mm-hmm. then you have a World Spine. I have worm. a World Spine Worm. Yeah. If and I take, you have a Tutu. If I take a World Spine Worm, mm-hmm. then you flicker something that you own. Yeah. <laughs> so I get my World Spine. So worm. you get the World Spine Worm. Uh, and then if I only pick one. If you take nothing, then you get both. Then I get both. So all you can do is take the Charming Prince so you get a 2-2 out of the deal. And you get to scry two. Um, This isn't... There's no way to build a deck around this. Okay. Because you end up with your deck full of, like, Emrakuls. Is there any other, like, combination of cards that don't involve Charming Prince? uh, Tristani does the same thing, too. Tristani. Okay. Because it's at the end... At the beginning of your end step, each player gains control of all creatures they own. Right. So... That's the, the you do have backups because you can play World Spine Worm and Emrakul, Charming Prince and Tristani. But yeah, your deck's filled with a lot of bad cards at that point. I, hey, I'm down to play a Tristani uh, Prince deck. I can you know my normal draws. I'll be flickering the Tristani every once in a while. I mean, some more two twos. There's something to that part of it. <laughs> the problem is when you draw like an opening hand with a World Spine Worm in it that you just can't do anything yeah. with, and then you draw an or you, you that... rip eight and it doesn't include like the good cards. Well, that you, you get need. to look at ten. Is it ten? Yeah. Jeez. So you you're really likely to hit a giant creature in one of your get this thing, but uh, I don't know if if Glimpse taught me anything in this in this recent modern deck that we played <laughs> is that you don't hit what you need off of ten cards. <laughs> okay, that's true. That's really true. Yeah, I mean I'm not oh. on the deck, but there's a lot yeah. of cute interactions in Pioneer. No, that's fun, that like for sure. like some amount of them are actually going to be good enough at some point maybe they're waiting for a piece maybe they're waiting for a little bit of redundancy yeah yeah um i really like the idea of possibility storm is just a lock with your teferi in play Mm -hmm. and then does like a bunch of other cute things and a lot of these things like seem like totally not doable and then you I like halfway convince myself that they might be doable if you have a fires of invention in play. Mm-hmm. But I think that's mostly a losing uh, deck building concept in <laughs> Pioneer right now is like, well, we can't ever get these two cards into play at the same time. But what if we had a fires of invention? <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> the one uh, combination that I think does have legs that okay. would benefit from a fires of invention, but it's not necessary is I do really like Narset. Great card. Yep. You know, just like 10 out of 10 good magic card. Yep. and It's like take through time. And messes up opposing Phoenix decks. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially if you can protect it. But even if not, like they have to constrict their turns around getting it off the board before they can do literally anything else. Um, so Narset plus the memory half of commit to memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just makes them shuffle their hand in their graveyard into their library and draw they, a card. They get to one card, right? Yeah. Yeah. Unless you EOT it with a Gear Hulk, then they get oh. no cards or draw step it or whatever. Sure. Um, and and you can also that so all of that is in just blue. Mm-hmm. So you can combine that with whatever, probably black for discard spells or I, I I don't know. It's probably a control deck. Yeah, certainly. It's this is like a finish the game off mode of your spells in a control deck. Yeah, control decks in Pioneer. I I don't think mind having just like casting commit on stuff. Right. 
And, and that's the thing is like if you can build your weird combo thing off of all playable cards, then I'm pretty into figuring out how to make that work. Mm. Um, and especially since that's all in blue, we can probably build this deck so that it's only two colors, like blue, black, or whatever. And then you can also run that like Gyre Reach Sanitarium plus Narset combo. Um, and I did get bodied by a blue-black Narset theme deck. I, I was playing Phoenix, mm. and they flashed in a, a Notion Thief against me in response to one of my cantrips, and I just immediately lost the game. So. Yeah, that'll that'll do it. So there's, like, something there. <laughs> they were running Days Undoing with their Narset, mm -hmm. which I think is a bad plan because sure. that card doesn't really have text unless you're doing the thing. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not super into that. You know, if I can't having, run... having your card that doesn't have text just chilling in your graveyard is like about where I want it to be, you know. Same. Yeah, <laughs> just, absolutely. Just chilling in your graveyard. Right. And like even if I don't know if that deck wants to run like Charter Course or something like that, but you can discard commit to memory and then use the memory half of it yeah. when you need to. But also yeah. commit is a pretty defensible spell. Uh you have to target if you have the opportunity, you need to target the Wilderness Reclamation when it's on the stack with your commit, because it can't Veil of Summer it then. But if you let it resolve, <laughs> you're probably getting Veil of Summer. <laughs> yep. Yep. So what do we think has... So what got worse that didn't get banned because of the bans? Like, I'm mostly thinking that Mono Red did take a hit because specifically, like, Goblin Chain Whirler got worse. But it looks like Mono Red kind is still of, kind of holding its own. I think Mono Red is holding its own just because, like, the next, like, go-to decks are Nexus and Phoenix, mm -hmm. which I think Mono Red is pretty well set up against. Okay. So we'll see how that holds up. Uh, but also I think that people, like, at least we are starting to figure out that there's just, like, better aggro decks than Mono Red. Yeah. Like, we put Treasure Cruise in our Mono Red deck, mm -hmm. and it's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me tell you. That does sound great. Um, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, we put Treasure Cruise in our Mono Red deck, and that has felt pretty strong. Um, and then also this Gruul deck has felt more powerful than Mono Red mm -hmm. to me. Um, and But this is just me, like, birding matches with this Gruul deck. I haven't seen any matches play out. Yeah. Um, and it certainly has vulnerabilities. Like, I would probably rather play against the Gruul deck with Phoenix with my 12, like, one mana removal spells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You when know? you're removing our, like, three drops with Shock, it's not great. Yeah um so yeah i mean but it'll be interesting to see um yeah what then, emerges as like the premiere yeah like i'm casting creatures and killing you with these creatures deck. yeah 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 and then you know just kind of like the other decks that were kind of like floating around playability but weren't quite like in our top six mm -hmm. like the insole deck i'm still like relatively high on yeah I think that deck definitely has some legs. Uh, just like the insole cards are, yeah, some I think very big, strong, sharp, like scissor shaped legs. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, we're really going. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that you know th that deck definitely has potential. And then uh, like band is like another tech I think in that category of yeah. just like you know wasn't you were just never going to play a collect company deck over Feldar Guardian combo. Sure, but now you can. Like, if that shell is, like, what really shines. Yeah. So. Yeah, that makes sense. The, I, I and I, this is, like, definitely from my biases from playing a bunch of Pioneer Phoenix. Like, I have not played against a version of the Insole Artifact deck that I was like, whoa, that's it. Mm -hmm. Like, I just keep playing as versions that put a couple of one mana guys on the board. I kill them. They Insole something. I either lightning axe that or flip a thing in the ice, which sure. is yeah brutal. And it just like, 
they haven't seemed to have had the like staying power or the closing power to actually get through mm-hmm. a deck that has answers against them yeah yeah i mean the phoenix deck is definitely stocked with answers mm-hmm. to <clears throat> those cards but when i've played against that deck with pretty much everything else it's felt really scary you, you just get yeah the five out, fives are huge really quickly because yeah generally if you're not running lightning axe or fa- or fatal push mm-hmm. the five fives are just enormous and scary okay and kill you um and then they only really need to get in like two hits before they can like galvanic blast you out shrapnel blast. shrapnel blast you out yeah galvanic um, blast not legal not legal also yeah. kind of like hard to have three artifacts and play with yeah. these decks um, sometimes yeah typically it's like i have an artifact out and it's important and really <laughs> big and hitting you or whatever Dude, putting in soul artifact <laughs> on a smuggler's copter is oh it's, it's nice. really good. yeah don't need to crew this one anymore trigger <laughs> flying getcha yeah. yeah 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 i mean i could see that like definitely my experiences have been tinged by the decks that i have been sure. playing which is reasonable like, over half of my matches have been with phoenix so yeah yeah um yeah, I could I could definitely see a streamlined version of the Insol Artifact deck. I believe Ross posted a list in his uh, article on Star City today that I did really like the look of. It was just like a straight blue-red version, no all that glitters, because I don't think that's all that good in it. Uh, he wasn't running uh, Springleaf Drum Ornithopter in it, which I liked quite a bit, just because those draws when my opponent, like, yeah, they, they can get out really quickly. But then they spent kind of not even though Springleaf Drum sucked. In this yeah, deck. <laughs> yeah. You just don't have enough creatures. You don't have right. enough free creatures. You can't. It's hard to make your free creatures matter, and that just ends up with a lot of air in your deck. So, you know, play threats. Oh yeah, all of the draws that included, like, like say you have the like the perfect Springleaf Drum hand, yeah. which includes a Springleaf Drum and an Ornithopter. You mold the five and like... and one other like you know another thing to do on turn one. Mm-hmm. So you 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 cast Springleaf Drum and then Ornithopter permanents that are on the battlefield that no longer matter anymore and then you tap them for like a one mana spell that you could just cast right like and curved into <laughs> it's a whole effect the next turn anyways. right yeah because like that requires you then to also play all that glitters so you have like a cranial plating mm-hmm. type follow-up to this thing right yeah and that then you just have like a lot of in- effectively enchant creatures you have a lot of auras in your deck at that point yeah. which is like a big liability your opponent has it's just like sitting on a shock yeah and they're just like all right i'm gonna get you <laughs> yeah play it i'm gonna respond <laughs> yeah. yeah ginger brute really good though yo yeah i oh, man i punted against that deck because i attacked with a swift spear mm-hmm. and i was at six and I was like, all right, I just need to make sure I don't go to five to die to their shrapnel blast. Shrapnel yeah. blast. But I like got in with a Swiss spear that just like didn't need to attack. And then my opponent was like, all right, uh, draw Ginger Brute. <laughs> Give it haste. <laughs> Hit you. I can't block anymore because my hasty Swiss spear is sideways. <laughs> and uh, and then they shrapnel blasted me. And I was sad. Somebody tweeted a screenshot of it was like photographs taken seconds before disaster. And it was a ginger brute activating while there was a savage knuckle blade on the other side of the Ooh. table with a mana up to give it haste until end of turn. Solid. You like yeah. don't forget. It's not just unblockable. No. If if your guy has if your opponent has one of the like three haste creatures in this format, then they can block. Yeah. And those those creatures are usually bigger than ginger brute. Yup. Unless it has a ghost fire blade. Or is in sold or is in sold and souling ginger brute 
pretty good. That's a big game. Yeah. Yeah. I've won a, a fair number of limited games by putting a steel claw lance on a ginger brute. Yeah. So, yeah. And it, it works in in Pioneer with mm-hmm. the cheaper version of steel claw lance. So. Yep. Not bad. Pretty good. Um, are there any reactive decks? Uh, you know, we saw Sultai have success in the very early days of this format. Ever since, though? <sighs> Just kind of not. No. Uh, like, Phoenix, to me, is the most reactive deck that's yeah. reasonable in the format. I agree. It feels like all of the reactive decks fold to, like, some card that your opponent is doing. Mm-hmm. Like your opponent like might have a treasure cruise in their deck and then you're just really far behind if you're trying to one for one them a lot yeah or you're playing against some aggro deck that is going to be able to run you over like mono red is just not going to be a good matchup for any of these reactive decks yeah or you're like relying on oko to deal with onboard threats yeah and your opponent is doing stuff like putting in soul <laughs> artifact on a haste creature and kill your planeswalker right or they right. have arc light phoenix or whatever mm-hmm. yeah it seems like these like proactive shells are all designed pretty well to just like not be easily disrupted mm-hmm. in some way, which is nice. The combo decks are just like going way over the top of you. Uh, the like other like there's no just like good stuff mid range decks that are playable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, don't play Siege Rhino. Yeah, Siege Rhino is not, not good. It's not cutting it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Uh, yeah, like mid-range and control are definitely archetypes that are suffering a lot right now. I think part of it is that Thoughtseize is the best disruption that you have access to. Mm-hmm. And it's very good yeah. until game two or three, where <laughs> you just get Veil of Summered a lot. Yeah, all of the decks that you like really want to have a Thoughtseize against mm-hmm. are like green and are going to have Veil of Summer in them. Yeah. Uh, which is a yikes. That's honestly the biggest selling point for Nexus mm-hmm. is it just does an unbelievable job against deck. disruption. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But if if we develop these aggro decks to the point where they seem like they're beating most stuff, then you know I I would not be comfortable taking Nexus to a tournament because other people are going to figure that out too. Yeah, and I think I'm already there for yeah. Nexus. I think Nexus is very very strong. Uh, it just has some holes that seem un- Unpa- unpatchable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can you can do a thing where you board way up on Oko's or whatever, but it's just like not particularly synergistic with the other cards in the deck, mm-hmm. uh, and isn't going to solve the problems on right. its own. Yeah, and Oko on its own just like doesn't beat Mono Red. Mm-hmm. Um, it beats Modern Burn. Yeah, just because of the way this, the, the decks are constructed, Modern Burn is like pure spells. Yep, but there's the, twenty creatures. Yeah, in these the red decks. decks are just like you know playing a bunch of creatures. Your Oko, like, sure, they're going to have to spend a turn on your Oko or whatever, but it just doesn't, you know. Yeah. And the rest of your deck needs to be able to, like, help facilitate and protect this Oko, not not just, like, try to combo your opponent. Right. And if you don't have permanence in play already for your Oko to start turning into a 3-3, mm-hmm. which Nexus absolutely does not, yeah, then it loses a lot of power because you can never choose the mode of make a blocker, right? which is an important mode. I am a little interested in what combo space has opened up with the absence of felidar guardian of, yeah. of cat combo things are on our list are ascendancy again mm-hmm. um people were trying out ascendancy earlier on in the format um i think that ascendancy was just always worse than Kethis and cat yeah but now who knows maybe it's the best combo thing to be doing if it is 
like the the question is always like what disruption are people playing what's the combo deck that like yeah dodges that disruption the best and also if the type of disruption include you know if we're including as a broad category of disruption like they're getting you dead with red creatures then which combo deck can actually deal with that that, yeah um the jeskai ascendancy deck has the benefit of you can run a decent number of shocks in it yeah and that's nice that's a big improvement over what nexus is trying to do to stop the red decks yeah yeah and you know ascendancy plus sylvan awakening that's it's just a two-card I win combo. That's a two-card I win combo, mm-hmm. generally. I have been looking at builds that also include Emery. I think it may not be right to have Emery just because everybody has some cheap removal spell in it. And just, like, it make, it. make there's no way that makes you better against red decks if you just, like, play out your Emery and then they wild slash it. Right. Um, I think it might make you better against some disruptive decks, but then you are... I think to run Emery, you have to run some number of Witching Wells and, you know, you're running your Mox Ambers and stuff like that. And that may just not be. So I, I think maybe while like the raw consistency and like resilience of an Emery version of the deck, like might be better than an all spells Jeskai Ascendancy, like like pure all in on the combo version of the deck, it might end up being worse positioned right now. Yeah. And, and maybe just should aim efforts at like, a removal spells cantrip for Sylvan Awakening for Jeskai Ascendancy, like two card combo version. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I I do really like some of these like Manador versions as well. Like mm-hmm. I think Sylvan Carried it is Okay. Is actually pretty strong in the deck. Okay. Um just because it's just you just can't interact with it. And it it's a wall against these aggro decks a lot of the time. Yeah. So yeah. It is really hard to go off, you know, with Jeskai Ascendancy and a Manadork. Mm-hmm. But it does accelerate well, you into, you, you, you're never going to like chain 10 spells off of your mana dork. Right. But you might chain a couple of spells and have just enough to Sylvan Awakening and then right. cast one more spell at the end of your cycle. And that's been my experience as well is that like, you, if you have just one dork, you're not, it, it allows all of your like one mana cantrips to like, like eventually you'll find a Sylvan Awakening and right. then it's over. It's, it's being like a goblin electromancer basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is nice. Which is really good. I mean, especially if the Goblin Electromancer is reducing the colored mana cost of your spells. That's <laughs> that's pretty powerful. Yep. Yeah. Oh, one last deck that I do want to mention is the the non-devotion green ramp deck. The all-in on Ugin the Spirit Dragon deck. Oh, yeah. So this deck is trying pretty hard to go 135 so mm-hmm. turn one arboreal grazer put in a land it's running like 27 or 28 lands which is good i i accept and then on turn two you cast anissa's pilgrimage or you know some other three mana there's like elvish rejuvenators in the deck too and then you try to cast like an hour of promise or something and then you can cast whatever from there ugin's yeah. ulamog and Merkel. the cool thing about it is you get to run so many utility lands yeah. including just a lot of fields of the dead mm-hmm. so you're very likely to be making zombies as you're ramping up to your giant things, which do a great job of keeping you alive against a lot of decks. And then your giant things being like for Ugin the Spirit Dragon. Ugin is really good in a format where most people are playing to the board. Yes, very true. Um, yeah, Ugin's great. And then, yeah, some of these utility lands are really strong. Like mm-hmm. Scavenger Grounds, yeah. really strong. Uh, Blast Zone, incredibly strong. Mm-hmm. Definitely shouldn't be overlooked there. The main problem with the deck is you only have four Arboreal Gracers. Yeah. And sure. as and built... And you don't, you, you know, you're, you're ramping out lands. You're not, you can't afford to run, like, 
elves or whatever. No, yeah, it, I think it just doesn't. I I think you may need to bite the bullet and run some number of Lenore elves, even though they're not great in the deck. It's because you're running so many three mana right. ramp spells, and like you're not unhappy if you go Lenore elves into Nissa's pilgrimage, and then it dies, and you're fine. It's that. fine. Yeah, sure. Yeah, like ideally you would have more arboreal grazers or whatever but we're just not in that world mm-hmm. and i <laughs> what a world where we're looking for more arboreal i know grazers. <laughs> i hate that card. i despise it as well <laughs> but in this deck it actually works yeah i get, I get it for sure um <laughs> yeah and i mean this is the main problem with the deck is that the curve of the deck is basically like arboreal grazers once upon a times and then our curve starts at three yeah and it's just like a three five and infinite mana you know we have a lot of threes yeah yeah yeah. so i i think probably you just need to cut some of the stuff and put some line elves in there so you can cast your elvish rejuvenators or your your nissa's pilgrimages on time Mm because turn three is not on time in this format not doing it but the deck does impressive stuff goes over the top of a lot of things if you're playing a knockdown drag out game. I mean Ulan and Ulamog. Yeah. Ugin and Ugin <laughs> Tongue twister there. Yep. Ugin and Ulamog are broken cards. Yeah. They're and, very strong. And you get to run several Sanctum of Ugins. Yeah. So you have really easy access. You can have one Emrakul, one Ulamog in your deck, mm-hmm. and you get them whenever you want them, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. So You're um, casting some big walking blisses as well. Yeah, you totally can do that. Yeah. Um they're less powerful in this deck that even though the entire they're not like nine nine ballistas, but the, you right. know a four four ballista should be fine, right? The entire deck is mana, mm-hmm. and it doesn't come anywhere close to the amount of mana <laughs> that the devotion decks. I were mean, able to Nicholas make. is messed up card. It is really it's messed just up. Really messed up. But this deck is kind of sweet, and depending on where the format goes, could be a thing. The having to run all the grazers and really just your hand being very bad when you don't have a grazer is my my main problem with the deck for sure. Yeah makes sense um anything you've been thinking about with pioneer going forward what are you i think we covered most of it yeah things on my to-do list are this band company deck Mm -hmm. i think i'm gonna try out a couple of different variants of it there's so many ways that you can take it i need to mess around with like the 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 you know the accelerant packages whether or not i'm doing elves or goose or you know neither you know who knows um it seems hard to believe it would be neither yeah 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 i mean yeah for sure. We'll have some of them. Yeah. Uh, I also need to figure out if I want Oko in the main or mm-hmm. not. Um, I need to figure out if we're going like more Planeswalkery mid-range and cutting the collective companies. Mm-hmm. A lot of variants there. Yeah. That I'll have to figure out. I think what I'm leaning towards right now is like uh, I'm going to continue testing with Oko in the main and collective company uh, just because, you know, Oko's busted. Yeah. And that's what you want to be doing. Yep. Yep. Play um, as many good cards as you can to start with and then pull back if, like, the synergies aren't quite there to right. support the deck. Yeah. You know, other than that, I'm really looking forward to playing some of this Gruul beatdown deck. Yeah. I am don't want to play Nexus. Um, oh, my God, I don't want to play Nexus. Uh, but, I, you know... I'm not looking forward to getting If my teammates by... are like, oh, okay, this deck is busted, I'll, you know, I'll play it. Yeah. Um, there are a lot fewer Teferis... Mm-hmm. Once Cat Combo gets banned, like true. that's the main tef- that was the main Teferi deck, yeah, and so true. that that pulls away one of the most predatory cards, gets a smaller share of the metagame, yeah. but there probably will still be a fair number of Teferis in the in that tournament. So right. I think Monored is like 
a, a relatively strong fallback. Mm-hmm. I mostly want to try to play to beat Mono Red. Sure. I whatever deck I'm, I'm playing in the Invitational, I I really believe that Mono Red is going to be heavily represented at that tournament. Yeah. No matter what, it's yeah. just the you know it's nothing's going to get banned out of it, guaranteed. Uh, it's just a safe choice. It's going to be strong. It's like a good budget option. People just have a bunch of mono red stuff from the past couple of standards right. lying around. You know, um, it's funny how mono red developed because, like, at the beginning of the format, we were like, "Yeah, obviously, mono red is going to be one of the like top tier yeah. decks." And, and then, then it for was like unplayable. two weeks, it just wasn't. It was yeah. just unplayable. I don't know if that meant that we just like had bad builds of it, or if people were like were really gearing towards it or mm-hmm. whatever. Some combination, I'm sure. Yeah. Um. But yeah, all of a sudden now. Uh, like canister like you know did really well in the challenge mm-hmm. uh this past weekend jeremy was winning with it zan was owning with it i was winning with it it was just everywhere yeah. like all of a sudden everybody was playing it all yeah. at once right yeah sunday was just like oh mono red is good today today <laughs> all of a sudden the, the actual first time in the format every <laughs> yeah. other like every other day it was like a joke somebody right. was playing mono red against you and you're like well like i'm 90 percent to win this match yeah yeah uh not anymore nope yeah so uh right so i think those are kind of that's like where i'm at right now i know that evan's going to continue to work on kethis yep i'll have to filter through his bias to figure out if that's actually good or not um but i believe i can do that so i i do we like i mentioned this earlier in the episode but man he really was not happy after that ban announcement it was so sad it was really so sad yeah and like you know he was trying to disguise it under like (laughs) objective analysis of why the the band was a bad well, they, they band. Well, they messed with his, I, like, I totally understand. Yeah, they messed, they, with, they his messed with his baby. Yeah. Uh, uh, and it, it was yeah. just very clear what was going on there. But yeah, like he... he top Some aided, angry tweets. <laughs> top aided the first ever Pioneer PTQ with it. Yeah. Like, and then it just got banned out from under him. And that's... I I, I, I was sad too. I get it. Yeah. It's it's brutal. Yeah. But, um, but he will bounce back and he will have a good deck. And Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Yep. No doubt. <laughs> Okay, we we have covered plenty of stuff. I, I think believe. so. Yeah. Um, you want to do a quick Patreon question of the week? Uh, yeah. All right. So Otto asks, "What's the testing process when testing a new deck? Jam a bunch of leagues, play against your teammates. Are there notes to take and data to collect, or is it more about feel?" So this is something that I honestly am never really sure exactly what to do mm-hmm. when I'm like new deck. Let's give this a shot, especially if it's something I've brewed up. Yeah, like the idea of like I just put this sixty cards together. I think it might work. Taking it into a league is honestly like, I you know I played so much Magic, mm-hmm. but like putting a deck together and be like this might work. Mm-hmm. I still am not ready to take it into a league. I feel like I'm just like interesting. Oh God, yeah. I'll honestly, Chris, I'll play anything in the league. <laughs> I'll play some ham sandwiches in a league. I will just you know I'll jam I'll jam it into a league. Because that's that's how I learn. Yeah, is that I just I you know you just gotta do it. Yeah. Um. And I mean I do eventually, mm-hmm. but every yeah. time it just feels like, you know, this has sprung from my brain fully formed, right. and I don't really want to spend ten dollars to learn that it's bad right now. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. No, and yeah, and I. But that's just like what everybody else in the team does. Yeah. Like you know, we're just like, here's an idea. Let's play it in a league, mm-hmm. and then the the rest is mostly by feel. We have been playing so much magic that we just like know when a deck feels good or sure. feels bad. And we can generally like parse through like sometimes we get a little thrown by like, you know, we have really good variants and we believe that it's much stronger than it is just because we ran hot or whatever. Mm-hmm. So like 
you know, and that's the point at which we like presented to the team and we're like, hey, I did really well with this. Like, how about some other people try it? And yeah. and if other people would try it and then it's like they think it's good, too, then then we really feel like we're getting where. Right. Somewhere. Or if it turns out that you just had thing in the ice on turn two every single game. And yeah, that yeah. was why the deck felt so good. Right. Then. Um, and that's something that I like listen for in our like team communications. Mm-hmm. Like because, you know, the team is just made up of a bunch of like individuals with their own biases and like weird quirks and stuff so you kind of have to like parse through all of that and figure out what's really going on yeah so but there's some patterns that i recognize of like wow zan really loves this deck but like abe and edgar like hate it so it's probably not as good as zan believes it to be or that is a common stat line for a deck though (laughs) is zan loving it and abe and edgar hating it yeah yeah, that's not an uncommon (laughs) development right no yeah and and you know so that's like one of the common patterns that you start to recognize of like and you 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 start to also understand like each individual's like general biases and being able to like you know hedge the other way through that but that's more like team dynamic that's not really answering this question sure uh yeah i, w- I would say it, it has a lot to do with feel at first mm-hmm. and then once we know that a deck is good based on its feel and playing a couple leagues with it mm-hmm. then you know then we can start getting into the like the the crunch time of like okay we know that these six decks are going to be the top decks at this tournament yep we've gotten to the point where we're just going to be able to nail that 100 percent mm-hmm. every time not particularly close uh and then right. once we given get... given magic online play we... and talking with yeah. other people who are doing this right like it, it, it just all like there's no secret deck that somebody shows up with right um so once we get to that point then we're doing the next step in that process is is ideally and sometimes we like skip the step but ideally focus testing specific matchups mm-hmm. um evan has his matchup uh grid breakdown where yeah. We have a like a study session and we're like, okay, we need to talk about our like, you know, what we believe based on our experiences, what the like win percentages between these two matchups are. And yeah. whenever we don't have a like general consensus or agreement, we'll we we should focus test that specific matchup to like come to a real conclusion where like it's two good players playing the deck against each other mm-hmm. we'll generally through that get a like, good feel of like, okay, you know, deck A is like a a 62 percenter against deck b or whatever <laughs> might um, be a little granular 60 the, we are like 63 62 are like some of our favorite numbers throughout <laughs> things because we're like it's, it's a little like, better it's like a heavy 60. favorite but it's like and sometimes somebody's like i think it's this is like a 55 percenter and somebody else is like i think it's a 65 percenter so we'll like compromise <laughs> so yeah and i mean it, that that concept that like i, I think this was like a, an ellen bogan tweet or something we're just like Testing magic decks and preparing for tournaments is the art of extrapolating information from just, like, not even close to enough data. Yeah, and that's so accurate. That's so accurate. So the skill that we've really been able to develop is, like, what I'm going to call feel Mm -hmm. of, you know, we know how these things are supposed to play out most of the time. So through that, like, feel and our own experiences, we're able to extrapolate what kind of these, like, really rough sketches of like win percentages Mm -hmm. and when we've like when we've like done these matchup spreads and then there's been like a big tournament and somebody like data crunches the numbers and then like they have the actual like win percentages of like each matchup laid out yeah we're really accurate (laughs) i've been like really proud of us you know so like looking at these like yeah uh like comparing like the like the data from tournaments and then looking at our like pre-tournament like 
you know matchup spread like breakdown like that has come through our like focus testing and mm-hmm. all that stuff um uh yeah we, i mean you know cool. we've been doing this for a while now yeah so it's fun yeah great well hopefully that answered that question or it, you know came close but it certainly gives like an insight into the testing process that you guys have started to develop and refine so yeah that, we're, ch- we're chiseling cool away at it yeah <laughs> yeah cool uh, well, I hope that that was enough pioneer content for everybody for one day. I'm Indeed. sure we will be talking about it mostly on the next episode too. New bands next Monday. Yeah, who knows what happened? Yeah, I mean, we can wildly speculate, but that wouldn't do anybody any no, good. So. I I don't think there's going to be any bands next Monday. Yeah, I, I think that they are going to like respect the invitational enough that they're like all right you know this is what we did this past week we'll give them two weeks to test that's totally possible the only possibility is for me right now would be the delve cards and it just depends on what happens in like the challenge and the ptq this coming weekend yeah um but everything else seems relatively fair and balanced right now and they should just ban the card nexus of fate not because it's too broken or whatever. Just, just it's I a terrible it. design. Just because I really hate it. <laughs> yeah. And able... Kenrith as well, while we're at it. Just Kenrith? Oh, just because of... Just because Yeah, a... I mean... But at least the card Kenrith is a completely inoffensive well, fine, card. sure. Yeah. I still hate it. Fair. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everybody for stopping by and hanging out. Thanks everybody in the chat. We really appreciate it. If you would like to lend us some support, you can head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast. Come hang out in the Discord and get us uh, get some of our swag sent over to you. Um, you can also head straight to our website, mtggrindcast.com. We've got links to the Patreon. we got links to all the episodes, Collins' coaching services. Oh, <laughs> uh, put, put him up, Lee. <laughs> Lee and Dubes are ready to fight Collins about Nexus of Fate. Um if, if you want to be part of this community and fight Collins about ne- Nexus of Fate, go ahead and, you know, join our Discord, whatever. Yeah, it's well, fine. let's talk about it. Uh, so, mm, I've completely lost my train of thought here. Yeah, sorry. Uh, um, if you want to find us on social media, yeah. I am tweeting from at CCR underscore Grindcast. The podcast Twitter is at MTG underscore Grindcast. And Collins is also on Twitter. At Collins Mullen. Um, we will... Be here next week, just before the Invitational, talking about... Just after the next band announcement. Just after the band announcement, yep. and hopefully have up to the second ideas of what's going on with the format. Yep. Um, so please come join us for that, and until then, have a great week. Peace. Peace.